Let's go to the Lord together in prayer before we open God's Word and look at it together this morning. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather in your midst to open the precious Word that you've given us to to read and study and teach and preach and obey. And God, I pray that you would equip us for obedience to your Word. Encourage us, even as we just sang. We have eternal hope. We look forward to the day when we see Christ. But Lord, we know we have present hope also because we have the indwelling presence of your Holy Spirit as children of God who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, blessed with the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. We are so thankful that we can put our hope and trust in you, that we find confidence from the truths of your words that we're going to study this morning. God, I pray, equip us to live today. As long as you tarry, as long as we await for your return, God, I pray, equip us, strengthen us, and encourage us to speak your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Would you? 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 10 through 13 in our study this morning in 2 Timothy and chapter 3. As we've been seeing for the last couple of weeks, Paul has been encouraging Timothy to be strong, to be strengthened, Don't be weak, Timothy. Don't be fearful. Don't be afraid of what's happening and what's going to happen and the trials and the struggles you're going to face. Don't be, don't be discouraged even, Timothy, because I'm in prison, Paul writes to him. Paul writes from prison, remember. And we've noted frequently that Paul does not live long. We don't believe Paul lives much longer after this letter, the last letter we have from Paul. And so Paul says to Timothy, be strong, be strengthened. Don't be discouraged that I'm persecuted. Don't be discouraged when you're persecuted, and you will be. Don't be discouraged when God's Word is opposed and the church finds opposition. You will be. It will be. Timothy has been challenged by Paul to be strong and to teach those in the church to be strong because of what Paul has been warning Timothy of, and we saw it back in verse 1 of chapter 3, that in the last days, and that's the time between Christ's first coming and His second coming, we're in those last days, there will come times of difficulty. Why? Well, because the church is going to face opposition from within, from those who depart from the truth and actually oppose the truth, while at the same time maintaining an appearance of spirituality. Paul had to deal with what we're calling spiritual imposters. Paul even called them imposters. Imposters as Timothy was going to have to deal with imposters. And we even see, as we noted last time in the text that we studied last week, we saw that it, even Moses wasn't without those who would oppose the truth. There were spiritual imposters in Moses' day. And so as Paul warns Timothy, and we see the example throughout the Scriptures, and we see it today, if you open your eyes to what's going on in in society today, you know that the church faces opposition from spiritual imposters. And the difficulty for the church over the years is that there has been one false truth after another. And if you think about this, you find out why it becomes increasingly more and more challenging to the church over the ages as we await the return of the Lord Jesus Christ because one false truth pops up and it doesn't go away. Another false truth pops up 
and you have the two. Another false truth pops up and you have the third. And these don't go away. They seem to linger and come back in cycles. And so the church is dealing with all these old false teachings that keep cropping back up and the new things people keep introducing and manipulating God's truth. And so we have this kind of piling on of deceptions and it gets more and more difficult and more challenging to the church to keep up and keep refuting these false truths and speaking the truth of the gospel. And Satan will just keep on bringing back time and time again these, these old forms of deception added with new forms of deception and these new truths that people propagate from the Scriptures when they say they're speaking truth, something we found in the Word. They'll take something from the Word and twist it and And you can see why it becomes such a challenge to the church. So what Paul was warning Timothy about is this never-ending and intensification of opposition to the church from those from within who rise up and have a facade of spirituality, a mask of spirituality. They appear to have some godliness, the scriptures that we've just been looking at here in the past weeks. They have a form of godliness, but they, they even deny the power of the gospel, the power of God's word. And now we come to verse 10 where Paul continues to encourage Timothy to stand fast, be strong, remain strong no matter what comes. And no doubt God saw fit. You need to know that God saw fit to make this a part of his word so that the church today would be challenged to remain strong so that God's people today would take encouragement that there is hope that there is a way to be strengthened and there is a need to be strengthened. God saw fit to include this in His inspired Word for our sake, and we see the following in verses 10-13. through 13. Look at them with me. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. You, however, Paul writes to Timothy, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now, throughout our studies here in 2 Timothy, we have seen this resounding call to contend for the faith. Contend for the truth. Know the truth. Speak the truth. Defend the truth. And contend for the truth. As individual believers and as God's church, we need to cling to God's truth, God's word. And this is what we're called to as a church today. And though other churches may abandon the truth for a soft approach to the gospel that is often fearful of man and weak in the strong doctrines of Scripture, God is calling His His true church to remain strong and to, as if it were, wade into the current of opposition, this current, this upriver current, and, and, and wade into this current and wade upriver against this opposition that comes at the church. Be strengthened for that. Contend for the truth. Know the truth. Obey the truth. Speak the truth of God's Word. Don't depart from God's written Word. And those who wish to remain strong in the midst of opposition have got to prepare themselves. Because if you commit to remaining true to the Word of God, you can expect opposition. You can expect difficulty and even persecution for your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is exactly what I just read in verses 12 and 13. Look at it again. Paul says it here. 
Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And God wants us to live a godly life. It's not like we say, well, I don't want to be persecuted, so I better not live a godly life. That's not the choice. That's not the option for the church. We don't have that option. God calls His people to live godly lives. To live lives that are, that are obedient to God's Word, that speak the truth of the Word, and take the Scriptures to people who desperately need to hear the truth, and then live that truth in front of them so they say, yeah, what you say must be true because I can see it changing the way you live. And Paul says those who live the truths of Scriptures can expect opposition. They can expect hardship. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. We have a challenge, don't we? We also have a challenge to remain strong. And yet what we also have in this passage before us this morning is a helpful reminder of how we are, as God's people, to prepare ourselves how are we to prepare ourselves? Well, we have here a reminder here about how we are to prepare ourselves for the difficulties, the opposition that await us as we live, as we speak, as we teach and preach the truth. And one of the ways Paul encourages Timothy to find strength for the difficulties that he's going to face as he leads the church is, is this. It's to follow godly examples. And Paul says, you're following my godly example. Follow, He says, follow the godly example that Paul himself lived as he faced all the opposition and persecution in his own ministry. This would be Paul's challenge to Timothy. His challenge to him. Here's how you prepare God's people, Timothy, to live the truth and defend the truth. Not only do you need to preach and teach the truth and, and speak the truth, and obey the truth, but you also need to follow the godly examples of those who are doing the same. This is going to be Paul's challenge to Timothy. Here's how you prepare God's people live the truth and defend that truth no matter what. Follow godly examples and be a godly example to follow. That's the parallel challenge I'd like to, I'd like to show you today. We've spent a couple of weeks discussing our need to be on guard against spiritual imposters, and here's why that's so important. We need to be on guard against spiritual imposters, and here's why this is so critical. To be strong as God's church, we need to be certain that we're following those who are godly examples, those who are not spiritual imposters, right? We've, we've been driving that point home for a few weeks now. And we've got it. We understand. Now we know what, what do we need to do to, to avoid the imposters and, and what should we do now that we, we know how to avoid those imposters. Well, look for godly examples to follow. We need to grow in Christ's likeness so that we too can live godly examples suited, suitable for other believers to follow. That's the, the parallel challenge to you today. Look for godly examples to follow and, and work to be a godly example that others can follow. Look at verse 10 again. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Now Paul has just gotten done saying there are going to be spiritual imposters. There are going to be those who put on the mask of spirituality. But you, Timothy, you're a different story. You, however, have followed my teaching. You have followed my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. 
And now the challenge for us when we see an example like this is to remind ourselves of how easily we follow other people. The challenge for us is to stop and think, you know what, it is actually pretty easy for me to start mimicking someone else and following their example, which can be a good thing. It can also be a bad thing, right? Think about how easy it is for you to to, to become like the person you spend time with. We tend to become like those with whom we associate, don't we? That can be a good thing, and that and that is exactly what Paul is challenging Timothy with. This is going to be a very positive thing. Follow godly examples and let those godly examples influence you toward Christ's likeness. We just saw the importance here in the last couple of weeks of avoiding those who are spiritual imposters. Why? Because they will lead you astray. They will lead you down the broad path of destruction. So know what we learn about determining who we can follow by what Paul says about how Timothy followed him. Timothy didn't just mimic Paul. He didn't just mimic Paul's actions, becoming a little Paul, repeating everything Paul did. He didn't go around copying Paul necessarily. He paid attention. He followed, he followed what Paul taught. He paid attention to what, follow, uh, what Paul was teaching. And when looking for an example to follow, look for someone whose teaching is biblical. That's what Timothy had in Paul. He had someone who is teaching biblical truth. We had someone who is teaching God's truth. And so Timothy was watching and following Paul and learning from Paul's teaching. Now, I want to challenge you this morning that as we, as we look for those who are teaching things that are biblical truth, we also need to be people who are living biblical truth so that our lives teach truth. When looking for an example to follow, look for someone whose teaching is biblical and you want to look for sound doctrine in their lives lived out. You can't just follow someone who claims to speak the truth and yet doesn't live the truth they speak. Here's the question. What do they believe And do they live out what they believe? What do they believe? Is it the truth? And can I see they actually are being changed by that truth? Now, I would suggest that not everyone, you know this, not everyone carries the title of teacher, right? We're not all biblical teachers by title. But I'm going to challenge you today that every one of us as followers of Christ is a teacher, whether we have the title or not. As a follower of Christ, your life teaches something. Will it teach the truth of the gospel? Will it teach the sound doctrine of obedience to God's word? See, not everyone carries the title teacher, but all believers are teachers. And your life should teach. Some, some people say, well, I'm not up to being a teacher in the, in the strict sense of the form teacher, but that's, that's okay. You don't have to be a Bible teacher. Your life should teach in the way that you obey the, the truths of scripture. And Timothy was able to follow Paul's teaching. He did teach, but his life also taught. That's one of the warnings we saw last time, that if you want to guard yourself, you want to guard your family and the church from spiritual imposters, then you better pay attention to what they're teaching and what, whether it aligns with what God's Word says or not, whether it aligns with the truth of God's Word. What is this person teaching that you're following, that you're listening to? Is what they're teaching aligning with the truth of Scripture? Guard yourself from spiritual imposters because you'll be able to recognize them because what they say is actually going to be in opposition to the truth. 
when you get down to the, to the nitty gritty, you're going to find out that they're opposing the truth. And when looking for an example to follow, look for someone whose conduct is Christ-like. They have nothing to hide. I'm not suggesting that we should be perfect, but, but we ought to be growing in our walk with Christ. When you look for a godly example, look for someone who has nothing to hide, who isn't necessarily perfect, but someone who's growing in Christ-likeness. I want you to note, too, that Timothy also followed Paul's conduct, his faith, patience, and love. And these, I really think these all have to do with Paul's conduct. You see, we need, we need godly examples, don't we? I think Paul knew Timothy needed a godly example. He needed an encourager. He needed someone to come alongside him and, and told, to tell Timothy not to be, uh, not to be scared about what was happening around him, but be courageous and be strong. And he needed a godly example, and he had one in Paul. And Timothy was able to follow Paul's conduct, his faith, his patience, his love. I think those kind of all go together in a way. These all have to do with his conduct. We, we need godly examples. And one of the ways we find godly examples is to follow, to follow as we, as we look for godly examples is, is to not just by examining closely what they teach, but also by examining what they do. And when Paul was living his life in the face of hardship and opposition, Timothy could look to him and say his conduct was exemplary. His faith was strong. He was growing in patience. He was growing in love. We saw some of the identifying characteristics of false teachers back in verses 2 through 4. And those we can learn from and follow are those whose teaching is is biblical, not not like those characteristics we see in verses 2 through 4. Unlike them, those we can follow are biblical livers, those who live God's Word. So as you watch for a godly example to follow, pay close attention to whether or not they practice the truth. And Paul practiced the truth. Timothy watched him, and he realized this is, this is a man who's preaching and teaching the truth, but he's also practicing and living the truth. So, so what about Paul's conduct? Well, by his conduct, he showed that his faith was strong. His faith was growing. His faith was in the Lord. And by his conduct, he showed that he was a man who'd learned to be, to be patient, which in the original language meant that he was an individual who wasn't hasty. He wasn't overly passionate or easily irritated. He was growing in these strengths, that he was patient, which also showed in his practice of love. He was growing in love. And by his conduct, he showed that he he loved with a self-sacrificing, unconditional love. I think what Matthew Henry writes about this is very helpful. He says, Paul did not pull down by his living what he built up by his preaching. Those ministers are likely to do good and leave lasting fruits of their labors whose manner of life agrees with their doctrine. As on the contrary, those cannot expect to profit the people of, uh, at, at all that preach well and live ill. You see, we can't expect to profit God's church. We can't expect to profit God's people if what we say sounds good, but our life says something totally different. And so the question for us is this. Do those with whom we associate, associate for Christian fellowship and, and Godly example, faithfully practice the truth of the gospel. Do those that we 
seek to associate with for for Christ-honoring fellowship and godly encouragement? Do they practice the truth of the gospel? And I, and I make that distinction because we ought to, in a way, we ought to associate with people in the world who need Christ. We ought to get to know them and, and, and speak the truth to them with our lips and with the way that we live, right? And so that we ought to be rubbing shoulders with the world. But as we do that, we need to be careful that we're not becoming like the world. But as you pursue relationships with individuals who are followers of Christ and claim to be followers of Christ, are those relationships Christ-honoring? Are you looking for individuals who will strengthen you in your walk with Christ? Do those with whom you associate associate for that Christian fellowship and that godly encouragement, do they practice the truth of the gospel? You have to be, in a way, I think what Warren Wearsby called once a, a fruit inspector. <laughs> Right? We ought to look for spiritual fruit in other believers. And do they have the kind of fruit that we need and they'll encourage us in? We need to ask ourselves about our relationships with other believers. Does, does their conduct show the strength of their faith? Does, does their conduct show the strength of their obedience to the truth? Does their conduct reveal that they are growing in faith and patience and love? Now you might find yourself in a relationship where you're trying to help someone along. You ought to have somebody who's encouraging you as well. And there's that mutual accountability and encouragement toward the truth and living the truth of the gospel. Well, Paul says, Timothy also followed his aim in life. You see it there? He says, he followed my aim in life. And, and that has to do with his purpose in life, his plans. It has something to do with his motives. What were Paul's motives? Were they, were they selfish? Was he self-centered? Was he trying to do things for himself? Or was he living a Christ-honored, God-centered life? Well, I think the latter is the obvious answer when we're reading the New Testament by, by Paul's conduct. He showed that his purpose in life was in line with God's purpose for his life. See, Paul knew and lived the truth that, that his purpose was to fulfill what God had intended for him to fulfill. Now back in... 2 Timothy chapter 1, in verses 8 and 9, we saw an example of his attitude. It's very clearly expressed there when he says in verses 8 and 9 in 2 Timothy chapter 1, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Why should we suffer? For the gospel. And we can, we can suffer by God's power. He, he sustains us in the midst of hardship. Verse 9, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our our works, but because of His own purpose and grace. He saved us. Paul says, don't forget why God saved you. He saved you for His purpose. For His purpose and by His grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. What an example. By Paul's own admission, His purpose, and obviously by His life lived out, As he lived, his purpose was to fulfill God's purpose for him. And in observing Paul's life, Timothy also witnessed Paul's steadfastness or his perseverance. How was Paul steadfast? Well, note in verse 11 the severe difficulties he endured. He says to Timothy, look at verse 11 and following again. You observed, he says to Timothy, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. 
Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Question this morning. Did the persecution and the sufferings that Paul endured weaken him in ministry, or did they strengthen him for ministry? I think the latter the latter answer is the correct one, and that's what we see. I say we see that in the latter in his ministry and the persecutions and sufferings of Paul that, that, in, that he endured served to make him a stronger vessel for God's use. He made him an honorable vessel, even as Paul spoke of earlier, being an honorable vessel for God's use. That persecution tempered him, prepared him, equipped him. The hardship prepared him and equipped him to be a stronger more faithful and a more obedient follower of Christ and a messenger of the gospel. And as he continued in ministry, he saw heartache after heartache and persecution and hardship, and yet he didn't waver in his faith, did he? Paul was strong. I suggest that God used those hardships and those difficulties in Paul's life to equip him for more and more strengthened service. Have you ever stopped and thought about the hardships and difficulties you face and the purpose God may have for them in your life? Have you ever stopped to realize that God is trying to equip you and prepare you to be His faithful servant who is stronger and stronger and stronger as the days go by so that you may serve Him more and more faithfully and never lose your faith and only speak the truth of the gospel? Listen to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12.10. For the sake of Christ then, we know this, he says, For the sake of Christ then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And you take that last portion of the verse and say, how does that make sense? How could you be weak and strong? Because for the sake of Christ, he's contented with weaknesses, his own, Insults on him, hardships toward him, persecutions on him, calamities that come on him. Because when he's weak, God shows his strength through Paul. And Paul challenges Timothy. And God's word challenges us. Be strong. Be strong in the grace that comes through being a child of God. Becomes, be, be strong that, that comes to you by being, by, by being a beneficiary of God's grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. How is Paul strong for, for, for hardship in the midst of this weakness? He says, I'm, I'm, I'm weak and yet I'm strong. How is, how is he strong when he's weak? Here's how. We just read it in verse 11 where he says, Persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. You realize that God is your provider and your rescuer? And that even in the midst of hardship and difficulty and yes, even persecution, God is there to rescue you and deliver you. And yes, you may endure hardship for a time, but yet in all of eternity, think about how God ultimately rescues you. If you're his child, you are rescued to an eternal glory with God in heaven. And yet even today, as we spoke of earlier, Even today, you can count on God's rescue in your life. He's the one that gives you peace that passes all understanding, right? 
He's the one that gives you His Word, His promises to encourage you, to strengthen you, to give you His wisdom, to equip you for daily living, even in the face of opposition, even as the church charges and wades into the river and goes upstream against the current of false Christianity. God gives us strength to do so and to be faithful and to speak the truth. David also spoke of the Lord's rescue in Psalm 34, verse 19. He says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Yes. God delivers the righteous. God delivers them out of them all. I also want to share with you a passage that that comes from Paul's pen also in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses 3 through 10. How instructive this is for us, how encouraging this is. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are, who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You see God's purpose in allowing difficulty and affliction in your life so that you might be comforted by Him and then you might turn around and comfort others? That's what Paul's saying. And then in verse 5, For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. You see his purpose? If if we're afflicted, it's, it's for your salvation. It's for your comfort. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. You see our example, you learn from our example. And as you suffer, you learn that you can be comforted, and you are comforted because you saw that I was comforted, he says. Verse 7, our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. He thought he was going to die. In verse 9, he says it. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Can God help you? Well, let me ask another question. Can God raise the dead? Yes. Can God help you? Yes, right? That's what Paul's saying. And in verse 10, he delivered us, from such deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. And that's where Paul found strength, even in the midst of his own weakness. Fellowship with Christ. The promise of God to be His provider, even in the midst of hardship. And the question for us is, will we face persecution if we stand for the truth? Will we face opposition if we stand for the truth? Yes, we have the promise of God's Word on that. And yes, we can expect it and we can count on the difficulties of opposition to the truth to intensify as we await the return of Christ. But I challenge you this morning that the implications for us here in our passage are very clear. We will be well prepared. We will be well equipped And we will be well-couraged if two things are true of us. If we follow godly examples, and if we equip ourselves to be godly examples. 
Learn to identify a godly example and follow the example of godly believers. Like Timothy followed Paul. Learn to be a godly example. Be a godly example, faithfully following God's truth. I ask you this morning, what does your life teach? What do you teach, right? What does your life teach? Timothy followed Paul's teaching. Paul's life taught just what Timothy needed, to be encouraged, to be equipped, to be prepared for certain hardship that would come on him and the church as he led them and taught the church. And as we face difficulties and hardship, we can learn from this. We can follow Paul's example. We have God's written word, praise God. We can follow Paul's example. We can follow many other believers' example from the written word, and we should. We also have godly believers that surround us that we ought to identify and follow their example. Timothy followed Paul's conduct, his purpose in life, his faith, patience, and love. He also observed and followed his steadfastness, even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of sufferings, which he endured with the strength that God supplies So will you take the challenge that we see Paul giving to Timothy and as he commends Timothy, challenging him to be strong and commending him for following his example, will you look for, will you look for and identify godly examples and follow them? Be a student of the word so you can identify a godly example. Well, will you identify and then follow godly examples? And then will your brothers and sisters in Christ have an example to follow in you? That's a challenge to us, isn't it, as a church, as, as God's children. It's the challenge I lay before you from, from uh, Paul's encouragement to Timothy this morning. Will you identify godly believers whose example you can learn from and be encouraged and grow from? Will you be an example that other believers can look to to learn from and be encouraged to follow the truth of the Scriptures? Let's be those examples. I want to pray for you this morning that we would be those examples as God's church. Let's bow our heads together this morning and humble ourselves before the Lord, asking for His help in this way. Father in heaven, we do pray and ask for Your guidance and Your wisdom and Your help. We are, we are well equipped with the Word. But Lord, I pray that we would take advantage of the equipment that You've given us. Help us, God, to be faithful students of the Word so that we might be able to identify godly believers, people who are faithful to Your Word and teach the truth with their lives. And Lord, encourage us to be followers of them as we as we follow You, that we would stay close to Your Word and stay close to the Lord Jesus Christ and, and that we would be greatly encouraged and led by other godly believers. And Lord, at the same time, I pray that You would equip us to be a church, be a people, and, and to be families and even individuals who are, who are strong in the, in the faith, strong in our obedience to your word. And even as Paul wrote to Timothy, that we might have a, a strong testimony of good conduct and strong love and, and patience. God, that our purpose in life would be the purpose that you have for us, to live for you, to, to spread the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, as we grow in Christ-likeness, help us to be individuals who, who can be godly examples that others could look to for encouragement and guidance. But God, above all, help us, help us to, to live the example of being obedient to your word and faithful to the scriptures. Help us to be faithful to the scriptures as a church. 
Christ honoring in our conduct. God, I pray that you would strengthen us for that this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.